What's up, my beautiful bunnies and my big boogers? How are you? I miss you. I'm coming in a little strong. I'm sorry. Also, why do I ask you how you're doing? I mean, I'm curious, but this is a one-way mic and I can't hear your responses. I'm trusting that you're all doing well. How's the end of the world treating you? How's your apocalypse? Isn't it just grand? (laughs) Don't you just wake up every day and just wonder, why am I still here? What's the point of everything? And then you see a little squirrel cross the road and you're like, you're so fucking cute. I'm glad I'm alive to witness how fucking cute you are. Or is that just me? Let's just say that's all of us. I'm just going to say that's all of us. And if it is just me, fuck it. I don't really care. That's why this podcast is here. So that we all look at squirrels and we're like, you are cute. Society wants me to think that you're annoying and a nuisance and dumb because you run in the road. But guess what? They were here before roads were here. And it takes generations after generations for them to evolve and understand that roads are bad and that they should be moving across them quickly. And I think that they're doing a great fucking job with the amount of time they have had to adapt. That is my one and only squirrel rant of the day. You're welcome. Coming in hot. Just how I like it. Today on the podcast, I invited my friend May Lachey on to have a little conversation. We talk about Henry the Cat activating me, the gripping story of when Henry the Cat went missing and how Mela and I had a conversation about where he might be, who might find him, and is he okay? Stay tuned to find out more. We also talk about a number of other things. You'll just have to listen to the episode to find out. No spoilers, please. Mela is one of the people that I got a reading from back in March of this year of 2020 that had a profound impact on me. I highly recommend getting a reading from them. The way that they see energy, the way that they tap in and talk to your guides, talk to your oversoul is unlike anything that I've experienced um, at that time in my life and still up until this point. You know, every reader has their own unique style, but I highly recommend working with Mela if you want a bird's eye view of what your track is or what your path looks like. And I don't know, I'm probably doing a terrible job at advertising for them. They don't need me to advertise for them. It just sort of started happening as I'm recording this intro. They're amazing. Go look at their work. Um, go look at their website. It's standuppsychic.com. They can be found at Shay one on Instagram. They just started a TikTok and it's hilarious. So I don't know how TikTok app works. Go on there and find them. They do post the videos on their Instagram as well. But we had a lot of fun sitting down and talking. If you don't know Mela, you're about to know Mela, okay? They also have their own podcast. So you could go and check that one out after you listen to this one. Or fuck it, you could stop listening to this one and just go listen to their podcast. But you're going to have to either read the show notes or wait till the very end to find out what their podcast is called. Ooh, so much mystery. What will happen in this hour-long episode? We have to know. Please, please, no more anticipation. All right, you dirty dingoes, you got it. Without further nonsense and further ado, welcome, my friend, Mela Shea. 
I was definitely more sensitive back in the day when I was a child. I also felt so misunderstood by my family that like it just became this like distortion that I had. Like I just fully dove into it. Like I was even doing some automatic writing today because um, I got a reading from Karen and and she told me that I have like I'm a medium and that I to help develop my mediumship would be like doing automatic writing like three pages every day. So I've been doing that pretty steady since I had that reading with her. And um, I just feel like I'm so ready to just have the abilities to just tap into them to just like always be a medium, always be able to communicate with animals, never have a never miss a step with that. But then when I was doing that writing today, it was like, you also have to honor the fact that for maybe 25 years, you've been living in this distortion that you don't have anything like quote special about you or there's like no magic like you can't tap into the magic other people can but you can so I've just been like oh okay well I don't believe that anymore let's just push that to the side but then my guides are like well you actually have to like honor that and process that and I'm like well fuck I'd like to just not but it's unavoidable I mean, I obviously have a lot of opinions about what you just said, but this is your podcast, so I don't <laughs> want to, like, insert a lot of my personal I don't know. Where do you want to take this? Because I have a lot of answers for that. Um, I just want <laughs> to have a conversation with an old friend, and it doesn't matter. I <laughs> specifically wanted to, um, since I was like, oh, I'm going to have Mela on the podcast, I was like, what am I going to talk to them about? And I really, from my first thought, it was I wanted to talk about abilities, and so, like, yeah. it is kind of funny that like, I did want to steer it that way. And then it, that story just kind of came up naturally in our conversation. But I do want to talk about, like, abilities. So whatever you have to say. I want to talk about your abilities, what it looks like for you, what my abilities look like, things like that. Okay. So I think I'll start with this. In my, This is just my personal point of view, everybody listening. I'm not telling anybody that anything about anything that you feel or think. Like, you also have your own feelings and thoughts. Um. My personal point of view is this. There is a channel and the universe and guides and the angelic realm, the animal realm, everybody's realm and all the planets and star seeds and everything. And so there's a there's a vast quantity of interconnected vectors. And um, specifically what you were talking about in that you're saying that your guides are telling you that you have to accept that you lived in this like 25 year cycle where you were like, I can't access the channel. Other people can. And you found out that that's a lie. The thing is, everyone can access the channel. Like, I've been doing psychic readings professionally for 12 years, and no one needs me. That's what I like to say, because it's true. No one needs me. Everyone can access the channel for themselves. But it helps sometimes to have a sounding board. And I think people come to me personally because I have a really unique point of view about the channel, because I've been cultivating it for a long time. So, specifically... How my abilities manifest is like that goes into this is a lot of layers, you know. I don't know how I'm I'm sure your listeners are very open, but like I believe that I'm a star seed, which I believe that my soul is galactically oriented and is from another planet or multiple planets, different planets. And uh, I like to I believe that I like to come here a lot and help humans ascend. And so um I happen as a starseed, I happen to have a lot of knowledge about how to run a human avatar. Now, Amelia Shea, in my opinion, is my human avatar. So she is a real person with real experiences and real feelings, but she's also not who I am. She's simply who I am in this life. And so Mela or I, 
as Mela because there's two things use your avatar and then your your oversoul. So I'll probably switch in between those two in this conversation. But so Mela went through a lot of shit when she was younger, which obviously caused her to have a lot of limiting programs. Like she has a program that says she's a piece of shit. No one likes her, for an example, and like darker ones. You know, so if I'm going to get Mela to do what she needs to do in this life, I have to always be nice to her and make sure she knows and her child self knows that she's good. You know, like that's how I sort of quote unquote run my avatar. Like I spend a lot of time in a lot of depression cycles. I've been to the psych ward three times. I just, you know, you name homelessness, you name it. I've been through it in terms of like the emotional ringer. Like I've definitely wanted to die many times. And so I'm not afraid and I don't shun like suicidality. Like it doesn't worry me when people sometimes in some cases come to me in calls and they're like, I just want to die. I'm like, yeah, totally get it. Uh, let's talk about more about why that is, you know, because I'm not the type that's like, oh, you need to call a suicide hotline or get help or whatever, because most of the times people don't actually want to die. They just don't understand and things are uncomfortable. So, um, Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of got lost in my thoughts. That's fine. Yeah, I've definitely, um, that was really interesting the way that you said, it, it's almost like there's like two perspectives that you are like keeping with you at all times. It's like the Avatar Mela perspective and then like your Oversoul perspective and like how you said, oh, I have to, you know, reassure or like let Mela know like there's that programming that Mela has where like everybody hates her, this and that. And it's like, you're just kind of like, it's like you're working together. It's two different perspectives. Well, where it's yeah. Like, where it's totally. with me, it's been almost like I've 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 been working at like not so much separating. It almost feels like it's just like one one me all the time. And so that's why I think I get so frustrated when there is like an ebb and flow or like I get away from um my like my abilities or being able to tap into like the magic or anything. I get so frustrated because I'm like, well, there is just one version of me that I'm like trying to like move all the time but then like I really like that perspective that you said it's like well avatar Mela and then avatar Ashley um, yeah well we got that's the thing like I that's my not my perspective there's not just one you and so <laughs> if you're experiencing being shut off from your channel in my point of view that happens when your avatar in this case Ashley Hayden is uh feeling not well not good she's sad she's depressed maybe whatever she's going through something and ten, that tends to disconnect us from our Oversoul channel because we had to take care of our avatar, you know? So when our avatar is feeling better, then the channel turns back on. So in terms of, in my point of view, and I'm not brushing over anybody's mental health, anything like that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that if you are feeling depressed or in an active depressive state, then you shouldn't judge yourself if you don't feel that you have access to the channel. Like, don't, please don't judge yourself because the way that I've been able to have ongoing access to the channel at any point is, is a product of many years of learning to go with the flow. And I don't mean that as like a flippant statement at all. It's just like, I've been through so much shit. I was on a depressive cycle for a long time, a long time. And then I realized, um, and I'll, I'll make a, several caveats to this, but I realize that I'm an alien and I realize that nothing is actually real, even though it is, you know? So Mayla Shea is a real person, real experiences, real feelings, real thoughts. Uh, but I have control. I mean, control is also illusion, but I have the ability, I'll say, to steer her away from limiting and negative thoughts. 
And so that I spend a lot of my time doing that, redirecting the avatar. I think I just got like my first like shift to look at it that way. And it, it came really naturally when I was just like, I think it was, I mean, ever since it was Mars retrograde, I think it was like mid October. I'm the type of person that like knows that some astrological event is happening. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like I, I don't, really hold like a lot of weight to it, I guess, in the moment, other than full moon and new moon, things that I'm comfortable with. So anyways, when Mars retrograde happened, I was like, I, I feel nothing about this happening. I have no idea what its effect will be on me. And then I went into around the same time as that, just like this slow, like downfall into this, just like, it was so much shadow work, but like the way, the easiest way to say it was like, I'm depressed. And it was just like so many things that like I hadn't dealt with were just like, it was like one thing after the other, after the other. And as soon as I maybe like processed one aspect of my shadow and integrated it, another thing came right up. And it was like, I had no time to just like take a fucking break from it. And then I felt like disconnected from my magic and all these different things. And then I'm, I was coming out of it the last week. I could feel myself like rising out of it, but then I like, when, you know, I dipped back down and into like a few days of just like, what the fuck is going on? And then like, I, I had this thought like, well, what if I'm just going through a portal? Like, what if I'm just going through a portal of intense change? And I'm going through a portal where like a part of me is dying and a new part of me is birthing and I'm in this like liminal space. And that's why like, I can't like hold on to anything. And then it's also the idea of like, you know, holding on to things and gripping to things just like, you know, has them slip out of your fingers even quicker than just like allowing them to be. But it's just like, it's just, I feel like I've read all these things, been told a lot of these things in readings. And like, I've had these things come to me and I'm like, okay, yes, I understand it. I feel like I understand it. And then I'm, I'm put in a position where I'm tested. Like, do you really believe this? Do you really understand it? And I almost like fall back and I'm like, oh, what's happening to me? I, I should have my shit together for all these reasons. You know, I have a roof over my head. I have clean water. I have food. And then it's still like, isn't enough to get me out of the rut. And I'm like, oh, wait, I have to actually like honor the fact that maybe I'm dying. Like a part of me is dying. And I have to honor the fact that, hey, maybe I'm like literally going through a portal. Maybe this is a liminal place. Like maybe I'm like, you know, birthing and death and and rebirth are like two things that they almost sound kind of like overused in like this community. It's like almost like, oh, I'm dying and I'm rebirthing. But then I, so I've like been hesitant to use that language in particular. I call it recalibrating. Like what you're recalibrating? talking about. Recalibrating? Yeah. That's what I, that's what the word, that's word came to me. And that's when I like, you know, I just call it, yeah, I'm recalibrating my avatar. Yeah. Cause that sounds like less um, like uh, definitive as like death and rebirth because it's like, oh, this part of me may be dying, but maybe it comes back again. So I, I could see that like recalibrating. It's like, oh, I'm taking this time to recalibrate. And then maybe mm-hmm. like something, it'll like come up again and then I'll recalibrate. And then, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not like saying anybody, anything about any terminology that other people use. I want to be very clear about that. I just don't, it doesn't, the death and rebirth thing doesn't resonate with me. I definitely feel like it's a more of a recalibration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you think about like my avatar, like I'm 34 right now, I'll be 35 in January and I have a six year old daughter and, you know, I'm not 20 anymore, you know, so the avatar that I was at 20 is not the avatar that I am at almost 35. So there's been a great number of recalibrations that happened between 20 and now, you know, and there will be more recalibrations in the future. Yeah, I think that once I I think I, I was like 
camping for four days and I was doing a, I did just pulled some Oracle cards for myself and I was journaling about it. And then that's when I realized that I was going through like my first intense death process. And I think that the reason that the word death resonates for me is because for so long I have been afraid of death as like, you know, all human condition to some degree, we're all afraid of death. And uh, like I had health issues when I was young and I'm just like always worried that my body's going to fail. And I'm worried about people that I love dying and you know, yada, yada, the same. We're all worried about death to some degree at some point in our lives. And then once I like, not. <laughs> well, that's fair. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that with me saying that like this, like, or just, using the word death and dying, it's like, I embrace it more or like I'm owning it, I'm stepping into it. And it's like taking the fear away from me. So it's like, Mm -hmm. well, my theory on that is this, I think that if you're a starseed, which I think that you personally are, I'm just saying in general, for the listeners, if you feel like you're a starseed, if you feel like your soul is not of Earth origin, um, and you're actually from an alien planet, uh, we don't have bodies there. We, are, we definitely are not human there. We don't have human bodies. And we also have immortality or what could be considered immorta- or immortality. So I think a lot, a lot of times when we come here and we're in human bodies, a lot of us are like, oh, fuck, this thing can die. <laughs> uh, ooh, that's bad. You know, and plus also the, we live on average like 100 years, maybe 120 if you get lucky from somewhere between 80 and 120 years right now. And for us, that's not a long time. That's like blinking your eyes a couple times. So I think a lot of star seeds uh, attach a lot of anxiety to that because a lot of them have this is accidentally just think that they are human. Like for me, in my case, uh, even though I knew I was an oversoul, because back, back, going back to when I'm three, if you remember me saying that I come here a lot. So I kind of remember, you know, that I, I have my oversoul origins be reminded to me pretty early on. So like when I'm two and three, I'm in my room like, okay, guys, what's my directive? Like I was saying these words. I was saying these words out loud to my room. And then I sort of, you know, I got mired in the fact that I must just be human and just insane. And that's that was what led me down a really depressive path into the psych ward stays. And then after my third psych ward stay, when I was 24, I turned 25 in the hospital. And I realized that time I was like, what if all this is a game? Like I had all these realizations in that last day that I was like, fuck, this is a game and I'm an alien and that's what this is. And so since then I was able to go off, you know, mood stabilizers and uh, I developed into who I am today, which side note, not telling anybody not to take any drugs, do what makes you happy. Yeah. It is kind of interesting how when you do get into that perspective, how many things shift. And I know that it's kind of like maybe a really boring thing that I just said, but um, it's not boring because that's what happened. Like I was in the perspective as, as a young kid because I remembered my galactic origins. Cause here's the other side of that. I think if you haven't been here that often, or if you're like a new star seed coming to earth, you run the risk of just thinking you're human the entire time. And so, and also you, you, we are supposed to in, like awaken uh, at different time frames. Like for example, depending on what your directive is, if you awaken before you're supposed to, then you'll veer off the directive. You, you, you know, I mean, there's a lot of risks there. So I wouldn't, I would encourage anybody listening to this not to judge when they awoke, you know, cause it was yeah. the timing was when it was supposed to be. Yeah. That's, that's a good reminder for me as well, because 
not even so much because I feel like when I first like woke up or first was aware of this first had like an out of body experience was around 2012. It was like right around the time that I turned 18. And you and I talked about this in like our first reading. Um, But then even I find myself now because like I feel like I woke up and then was like, um, what the fuck is all this? I'm just going to not do this. I don't like this at all. And then I just went back to just believing that I don't know, I was a piece of shit and all of that and that I had no magic. So I had to go wake up, go back through that. And then like, I'm here now, but I even find myself like comparing where I'm at now to other people that are around my age group and then seeing like where they're at. And then, so that's like almost like the human, the Ashley avatar in me. That's just like, well, this person's this age and they're this far in this magic. Like what the fuck is wrong with me? And it's that programming of like, what is wrong with me that I'm still trying to like, uh, fight, (laughs) accept integrate i don't know but it's it is that programming of like you suck you're not you're not as you're good not good as enough yeah well that's a program i mean i'm not trying to minimize it it's just a program mm-hmm. so this is my point of view because like going back to like the structure that i subscribe to okay so male shay just using i always use myself as the example okay so male shay real person real human being real thoughts real feelings real life uh she also has a child self and so that child self has ideas of how to keep Mela safe and she was you know your child self is created your subconscious mind i should say is created the human conscious mind is created between the ages of zero and seven and so whatever you experience in those ages you know in my case it was a lot of severe psychological abuse you know um that will be what your what your point of view is through your the concept of your um subconscious mind and so that's also where your child self comes in and tries to keep you the adult self safe so because i went through a lot of scary shit or mela did her child self will pop in and be like it's not safe uh you shouldn't get out of bed you definitely shouldn't leave the house uh don't talk to anyone uh everyone hates you they think you suck and nobody thinks you know what you're talking about. Like it's a lot of like very negative thought processes. But if I look at it from the point of view of my child self, she literally has a dad who would tell her that she's delusional, you know, that she's had memories implanted. That's the level of his abuse. Like whatever thought I had that was, that went against what his point of view was, was definitely discarded and also said that basically that I was nuts in many different ways. And it's like, when you do that to a two, three, four, five, six, seven year old, your, your sense of reality gets super warped. Uh, obviously, because in my mind, I was just like, well, here's this person who happens to be my dad telling me that uh, what I see in front of my face isn't real, is not happening, you know? So I had to work through a lot of that stuff. And then I realized that my child self was simply just trying to keep me safe. Of course, my child self wouldn't trust anybody. Of course, my child self would think that, for lack of a better example, that Ashley is out to get me and she thinks I suck and is going to tell me that I'm insane, you know? So that's what my child self says to me all the time to try to keep me safe. So once I figured that out, then I would have meetings with her and say, you know what? It's going to be okay. Like, most people are good. Once I taught myself, I used to have a mantra for a long time. I said, most people are good. Most people are good. And I would say that aloud a lot and it helped me a lot it helped my child self a lot to chill out because don't get me wrong the thing is like i still have panic attacks like level 10 panic attacks from time to time i'm not anywhere near like put together i just know a lot of knowledge and i've been able to like put it together like puzzle pieces but there are still instances where like if my child self and a lot of my trauma 
triggers are like pinpricked at once, then it can go into like level 10 panic mode city, you know, pretty easily. Yeah. Do you think that um, with your father figure kind of telling you that what you were seeing wasn't real and it was like an illusion, did that like um, help develop the things that maybe you couldn't see in front of you, like more of like your abilities, like trusting what was inside of you and like maybe you know, who you were talking to or like your oversoul. Do you think that? Yeah, well, that probably did help me, even though he, that wasn't his intention. It probably did because mm-hmm. it's like dealing with the, I, I personally think he's a psychopath, also a narcissist. So a narcopath, psycho narc, whatever. And um, it's like when you're talking to somebody like that, they will literally look at a, like, you say your wall is white. Okay. So look at the wall and be like, nope, that's green. And you'll be like, it's white. And they'll be like, nope, definitely green. And you'll be like, uh, wall's white. And they'll be like, uh, nope, it's green. And if you say it's white one more time, you're nuts. It's kind of like that conversation over and over again. And so how do you get out of that conversation? Well, your best bet is to be like, you're right. It is green. That's how you move on. (laughs) That's how you get out of that because they won't let it go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It almost sounds like you were, uh, so it's like you, you were like, you were so challenged with what you see is not real. And then like you have this person where it's like you, you had to like almost, it it seems like you had to like just develop that trust. And so does that inner child also come up for you and like tell you sometimes like that what you see isn't, isn't real or that you're nuts. And like you had to process kind of that programming. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's still a pro. So here's my theory about programs. They get created in order to keep you safe. And a lot of times people who I love, you know, clients, I hate that word friends of mine who come to me for readings will say, I want to get rid of these programs. And I have to be like, well, actually you can't get rid of them. You can just make friends with them. You know, programs are going to occur and you have the choice. Do you want to run that program? Cause the program will come up and be like, Hey, you want to play? Mm-hmm. And you can, you can either play that program or you can be like, no, not today and set it aside. But you can say thanks for sharing. You know what I mean? Those, the programs don't go away because they've already been created. Right. And do you think that when, cause like I've had, I'm just now starting to like really get like a bird's eye view of my program and, and, and noticing like, oh, okay, this is like my petty programming coming up, or this is my, like, you're not good enough programming, which kind of like can overlap. And mm-hmm. it almost seems like a lot of my programming is like woven in to each other. And it just seems like I have this quilt of programming. And so it's like, trying to pull at one or just like honor one just brings another one up. And I just, I don't know if it's like, I think I just actually came to that realization that it feels like it's like a quilt and each programming is a patch on the quilt. And I well, did that have is a- what it's like. It is what it's like. Um, that's actually a really yeah. good way to describe it. it um, the programs are all connected to the other one. That's, that's why I love personally love trauma release and exercises and I recommend them to everyone because I did them every day for 30 days. And then I, I, I went out and got all official about it, but that's just me. Cause I have a lot of Capricorn placements in my chart. You don't have to do it the way that I did it, but I personally did it every day for 30 days. And I went to the grocery store and I got myself a large poster board and I had like, you know, markers and anytime something would come up, I would write it down. And so then I had this like trauma tree at the end of the 30 days and I had all these things written on it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is me. This is my program. This is, this is why I do that. That's why I do that. That's why I do that. And so that was really, really helpful and cathartic, you know, for me. Yeah. But I did that like several years ago. I should probably do it again. But because I, because I ended up burning that poster board. I don't want to have it around. And it was also very cathartic to burn it. (laughs) 
Yeah. And that's amazing too, because it, it is something that it's so like inside of us and then to like put it on a poster board is literally, and that's why I love writing and journaling so much is because it's literally taking something out of me and then putting it in manifesting it in like physical form. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it just feels like I'm more in control then because it's like, it's not just this thing inside of me that I, I'm also such like a visual hands-on learner. So it might just be like my perspective of it, but getting it out and in front of me, I'm like, okay, this is like easier to tackle. This is easier for me to understand now. And I feel more of my power seeing it. I really like that. Did you like, you said it was trauma release. Did you just like look up trauma release exercises or was it like a thing that like a program? Um, so I had heard about trauma releasing exercises when I was in the psych ward, actually from one of the like new age people that they had brought in. Cause I don't know, like probably other people have been in the, inside the ward, the wards, wherever they are, but they tend to be very draconian. But sometimes like if you go to the ward in the New York city where I was the last time I was in, they like will do things like uh, bring in yoga teachers and stuff. And so I learned about it kind of like uh I don't want to say accidentally but like haphazardly from the the sprightly little yoga lady that would come in (laughs) and so she had mentioned that kind of in passing and then I looked it up after that and there wasn't very much info online at the time I'm talking about like a a decade ago but now there's a bunch of YouTube videos on it and you can just choose whichever one you like so basically um what trauma releasing exercises are is just like the series of five exercises, which I'm not going to get up and show right now. But uh, so it's just five exercises, and and the exercises are de- designed to try tire out your muscles. So like, if you've gone ca- hiking already that day, you don't need to do these origin, these beginning exercises. Like your muscles are already tired. So basically, you have your muscles already be tired through physical activity or these five exercises. It's whatever you want to do, and then you have your yoga mat. I love my yoga mat and you just lay it on the floor and you lay down and you like um, butterfly your legs. So you're, so you're on your back and you butterfly your legs. So where your, your feet are touching each other, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And then you just allow, you just allow. So what will happen is your legs will start to shake up and down. And I had this experience where my spine would go up and down like this, like up and down. And so I just allowed it to occur. And so basically the wisdom is that you allow this to occur for like 15 minutes or more, about 15 minutes at minimum. So, you, so I would just do an egg timer and you just allow the shakes to happen because so, you're completely safe. What's happening is the trauma is being released from yourselves. And then after you get your session done, you, you, you can write down whatever comes up or you don't have to. It's really up to you. But I really recommend that you do it at night. Before you go to bed, I would not recommend doing them in the morning when you have stuff to do that day because stuff is going to get released. You can do them in the morning if you have time to just lay around. But I honestly love doing them at night, you know, before you go to sleep because then you do them at night and then you release in the dream state, which I think helps even more. I I like that because it's so much, so much emotion and trauma is stored. I don't know about other places. I guess it's in the cells. I've always looked at it as like in the muscles. And so whenever I'm having like some sort of uh, like, for instance, recently, the the lower that I am emotionally, mentally energy, like I don't do my daily self-care ritual, which is like hiking and yoga, just things like that that keep me really grounded and centered. And then it's just one, obviously, I'm not moving my body as much, but like how sore my body is, is like disproportionate to like how much I have or have not been moving. I can just feel it and I'm just holding it in my shoulders and my hips and like my calves. I'm just holding so much there. And then once I do just simple stretches, it's like I, it's, it's the same 
feeling of release as if I just had a really good cry. It, I feel the same feelings in my body. Yeah, it, it releases on a cellular level. And it is kind of the same as effect as a good cry. Like, because this is just my point of view. Remember, guys, I'm just a mom. I am a gimp. I have cerebral palsy. I, you know what I mean? Like, I think my directive, because uh, side note, I tried to go, I just realized this the other day, like last week. So it's kind of a big deal for me because I tried to go to college three times and I dropped out all three times and I got severely depressed and I never understood why. Because I am very intelligent. I could do this coursework, but I got very depressed. And I think it's, I come to the conclusion that my directive living as Mayla Shea is not to get a college degree. It's to just be a mom. Uh, like, stick with me here. Because I know I'm pretty awesome. But the thing is, is, like, conventionally, I have no conventional markers of societal success. But I think I'm supposed to be like that so that when I say this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, this is just my thoughts. Then nobody can judge me against, like, she's a scientist or whatever the fuck. Because I'm just a mom, you know? Just yeah. a mom. It, like, keeps it, like, open. It's just like, right. like, oh, guys, I'm just a mom. Like, And then also but that, like, mom energy, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, if, you, if you look at me on paper, I'm not trying to be mean to my avatar. That's not what I'm – I'm just saying on paper, I have several people born with a disability, have an eye condition – 34 years old, no college degree, never had a nine to five job. You know, if you look at that on paper, you're like, oh, this person's a bum. Uh, but I think that's the way I'm supposed to run my avatar so that when I come out with the next book I'm writing, which I can't really talk about right now, it has to be close to the chest, sorry. Uh, nobody can judge me against societal success markers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I like that. I have also felt like rather than me getting like a degree one, I just can't do any one thing for any amount of time. Like I just get like, I kind of happened when I first started with the podcast, I was like so driven to start the podcast. And then like, by the time I got the podcast art and then people were actually like, Oh, we're listening to your podcast. I was like, I think I'm gonna not do it anymore. But um, it is so like the idea of like one college degree is like overwhelming to me. And then also Mm -hmm. I'm like, what if I did that thing? If I got the one degree, I wouldn't, I would never stick to it. And then there would be all this like, Oh, well she, got a biology degree but she says that she's a medium like uh-huh. and then people might yeah. look at that as like oh she's well-rounded but it's like fuck who like i spent a lot of time thinking about like what other people think about me that's one of my programming so even when it comes up naturally it just like in conversation i'm like shut it down we're not welcoming that programming in today fuck it but then yeah. well it's okay because the thing is it's it is human society is is built on the comparison you know, that's why they have a, a quote that says comparison is the thief of joy, which I believe in. But I mean, from day one, when we come out the womb, we're bombarded with messages that says you're not good enough, by the way. And, uh, and uh, because you suck so bad by this red lipstick, you know, just whatever. It's all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Have you felt like that um, when it comes specifically to like your abilities, like when you were maybe first developing, like doing psychic readings and stuff. I, I think maybe people call it like imposter syndrome. I think that that's what that is. I might be oh, wrong, yeah. but just like, no, I am I a serious imposter syndrome? Uh, like I would say the first two years of my quote unquote career as a psychic were a shit show. And I say that with love to myself because I like, seriously, this is not a joke would get on before I would get on any call early in my career. I would be like, 
don't do it. They fucking hate you. You don't have anything good to say. Like just really negative programs. And so even, and I'm also a comedian, I've been doing comedy for 14 years, but that's another example of that is that when I started doing it, I literally would ask spirit to kill me. Like I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I am very melodramatic. So before I would go on stage and be like, you can just, you can just kill me right now. I'd be cool with it. Uh, Also this was before (laughs) I had a child. So the way I would cope with things is just to tell spirit, oh, it's okay. Like you could actually kill me right now. I could go home. I wouldn't be mad at you. I would have these conversations, which I'm not encouraging anybody to kill themselves. Please don't take it that way. I'm just saying the feeling of wanting to die, I think is sometimes when you're, when you're confronted with something that is uh, scary, that is scary for your avatar to do, you know, because my the way my avatar is like again i have cerebral palsy and i also have an eye condition which is fine in itself but i spent a long time not wanting people to look at me like at all because in school there was a lot of people that would just be like what are you looking at you know so that would be really traumatic for me obviously because then but then when i got older and i I embraced how i am because there's nothing i can do about it you know like i would just be like okay yeah i am looking at you uh except if you're mad at me then i'm not you know, like I would make jokes like that, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's gotten a lot easier for me to accept and embrace, but as a kid, it was just really horrific. <laughs> yeah. With your, um, like back to your psychic abilities when you're first starting, when you started to doubt them, did you notice that they changed? Like your ability to like, or your awareness of you being tapped into a channel? I don't know if that was my experience more than like it. Let's say if my avatar was experiencing a lot of anxiety, then yeah, it was more difficult to access the channel. You know, Mm -hmm. it it, it is true. Like I think, excuse me, I burped. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, So yeah. So like modern day now, 12 years into the gig, I very, I'm very aware of the energy. Like the other day, no, I'm not going to say this person's name, but just the other day, I had a booking and I immediately was like, uh, where are you at? Because the energy around you is restrictive. And so this person went out to their car to do the call. And so like, I appreciated that because I was like, the energy in the place that you're at is too restrictive and it's not going to allow me to access what I need to access for you. So there's that. And there's also my own thoughts, you know, and I, and I do like, for example, I have canceled or not canceled, but I've moved calls before. Not, it's not my usual thing, but I have moved calls in the case of like, I'll just tell, be honest and be like, look, my access to my channel is not what I want it to be right now. And it's not what I expect it to be to give you the best. You know, I'll just be honest. And it's not, it's not often that it happens, but now I know I have that available to me because I know what it feels like when I don't have like a full access and I've, you know, again, my nail chart, I have a lot of Capricorn placements and I want to be the best, you know, I want to give mm-hmm. people the best channel. And if I don't feel like I can provide that, then yeah, I will move the call. Yeah. When I first, um, the first time I ever like tried to communicate with animals, it was just because you were like, you can do it. And mm-hmm. Henry's missing. Do you want to see mm-hmm. if you can find anything about it? And I was like, I mean, sure. And it was all over text message. And I, I think that like, that was probably go ahead and pull that up because honestly, that was brilliant. Brilliant. It was one of like the easiest 
readings for me to do well, and I, up I trust you I think that had a lot to do with it all due respect and and but you were right about everything everything mm -hmm. you were right about like everything happened the way that you saw it so well, you I'm just, just like back up yeah go ahead your energy was just so like you believed in me it wasn't even like so much as like you believed in me like this romantic idea but like you just knew you're like, you can do it. Like whether like I believe in you or not, doesn't matter. It's like, I know that Ashley can communicate with animals. And so like, do you want to try right now? And then I was like, I just felt like there was, there was no pressure. There was no expectations on you. And then also like your connection to spirit helped to, to bring me in. And it was just kind of like this, like, okay, come, like, what, what are you getting? And then I was like, okay, this is what I'm getting. What are you getting? And then you're like, yes, I was getting the same thing. Or, and you also asked me very specific questions and, um, when people, when I'm giving readings and they ask very specific questions, um, I am able to just answer them so easily. But when people are like, I don't know, just tell me what's going on. It's like, I, I might struggle a little bit more with that. And I also struggle with like people's expectations on what they think an animal communication reading should be about, because it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, I feel like it changes. It's, it's changing as I'm developing them. But it was, I was getting like, right after that Henry one, I was like, every reading I did was like, boom, 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 boom. Like I was moved to tears on the phone call. They were moved to tears. We were all just like, Meh. it was beautiful. And then there was kind of like a lull in me getting bookings. And then like, I got like one randomly and I was like, fuck yeah. And then I went to do it and I didn't feel right in the moment to give this reading, but I just, I feel such a responsibility to the animals more than the people. I'm like, I have to be on for the animals, like the animals need me. They rely on me to like be this channel and to connect with their human and like let the human know that like the human has the ability to do this. The human has the ability to connect with that animal. They just have to remember and I want to like help them remember. And so I just get all this pressure on me. It's like you have to help the animal be on your game for the animal's sake. And then it's like the expectations of like what the human might think. And then sometimes when like when, when I feel like I'm being doubted is when like it, it brings up that like subconscious programming in me where it's like, I then start to doubt myself. So, mm. well, that's quite interesting mm -hmm. because a lot of people doubt this work and I had to just not give a fuck. Um, but yeah, I totally get that. Um, but yeah, this is, this is back in August. So the cons, the context of that, what happened was, is that Henry had gotten attacked, attacked by a dog that I had invited in the house. Um, and obviously that was traumatic for him. And then I went and brought in another kitten. How dare I? So I think he was, he was very fucking pissed. And so mm -hmm. he, what had happened was my boyfriend accidentally left the back door open and he went out. Um, and so this was back in August 13th. I don't exactly remember when he, what day, but you had texted me. Oh, I texted you. I said, listening to your podcast right now. And you said, I was just on a walk thinking about you. And then I said, Henry is lost. I am sad. <laughs> and then you said, oh my God, what? No way. I'm so sorry. How long has he been gone? And I said, Sunday, early morning. Kevin left the door ajar when he got home from work. But I feel like he is still alive. So I don't know what day. Oh, it was Thursday. He had been gone already since mm -hmm. that Sunday. Um, Thursday is when we touched base and, she, and you said, yeah, me too. And I said, I hope he comes back. And you said, have you left food outside? And I said, yes, Kevin said some got eaten, 
but if it was Henry, why wouldn't he come in? I've been leaving clothes outside too for scent. And you said, yeah, good idea. I feel like he's close to the house, but confused. Does he have a collar? I'm seeing him under a parked car. And I said, yeah, I feel his confusion. And then you said, I just sat down and tried to find him. I am new at this, but I believe I heard him say that he will be back. There is something he's got to do and told me to tell you not to worry. Also, his voice was like Mufasa deep, <laughs> which I thought was cute. I said, LOL, does he say he will be back or will someone find him? And then you go, someone will find him. And I said, is it Kevin or someone we don't know? Because we put a lot of flyers up and you said Kevin will. And uh, you said, I was seeing him under a parked car when you first texted me. And I said, yeah, it could very easily be a car or some other thing with uh, re with reliable color. Well, I didn't say this, but I live in a townhouse and there's cars all up and down all the blocks, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Henry likes low-hanging cover, I said. And then Ashley said, yeah, that's what I was seeing and him laying on pavement and also could be ground without grass. I feel like he is close to the house, though. And I said, yeah, Spirit keeps saying he's nearby, but I won't find him. And that frustrates me, LOL. And then Ashley says, this is my first official animal communication. Henry kind of activated me, so it's fitting. And I said, yeah, he did. Um, and then it's just more of chatting. But basically, that is, you are absolutely right about everything. Kevin did find him, but it was my baby daddy Kevin, because I live with two Kevins. That people mm -hmm. probably already know all that shit. So boyfriend <laughs> Kevin is the one that left the door open. No offense to boyfriend. I still love you. And then baby daddy Kevin is the one that found him underneath our stairs. So you go outside the back of the house and right there, that's the deck. And then there's stairs going down and it's underneath there is pavement. Obviously I'm getting a little emotional because <laughs> this, where he was found underneath that deck. Cause I had checked there every day. I had gone out, checked under that deck every day and um oh, i'm gonna cry they only found him because roslyn wanted to go outside and then kevin noticed the tail and put his hand down and got henry out from under the deck and brought him into me and i was like so happy so happy um because then on saturday the 15th you said any sign of henry i said no not yet i'm surprisingly calm and you said, has spirit told you anything else about the situation? And I said, no. You said sitch, but situation. I said, no, just <laughs> not to worry. And then you said, yeah, that sounds about right. I would take that advice. <laughs> uh, and then I, you know, I put it up, you know, I put up that uh, advertisement for your business because I felt like I needed to because, like, you're amazing. I think I did that around that time or maybe after he got back. So well, I'm just funny, uh, like, all ahead. of that time. I was like really worried that I was like, I had misguided you. I was like, Oh fuck. She hasn't found Henry yet. That stresses me out. I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. I gave them false hope. No. Cause on Saturday, August 15th, you asked about Henry and mm -hmm. then on the, I'm scrolling down the Tuesday, Wednesday, August 19th, I sent you a picture with me hugging Henry and Rosalind also hugging Henry. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I'm going to cry, God damn it. And I said, look who just came back. And then you said, oh, my God. And I said, <laughs> also, you're right. Kevin did find him in the yard. 
holy shit. And then yeah. I said, you have to come on the podcast, which also, by the way, I'm just going to cross release this on my podcast too. So it's happening. But yeah, everything you said was correct to the fucking T. And to your note where people are like, I don't know, just tell me, you know, I've gotten to the point where I can just yammer on. Like, I'll tell people, like, you can ask me questions or I can just yammer at you. But mm-hmm. that that second part came from a lot of trusting myself. So you may not be there right now or new readers may not be there right now. And I'm not saying there's there's no mark against you. It just comes over time, that trust in your own intuition. And so... <sighs> I really recommend for new readers, people that are new to the game, tell people like, no, I need you to ask me a specific question. Because what I, how I explain to people is that if you ask the more specific the question you ask, the more specific the answer you'll get from spirit. That's how mm-hmm. it works. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. Cause like, cause that was, I think even you had sent me somebody, um, that like an animal had just recently passed and this was before I was comfortable like getting on the phone with people. I'd never done like a phone reading before with somebody that I didn't know. And then I was just like, so I just sent and they would ask me a question and then I just like got myself into uh, a meditative state, whatever I was doing. And then I was just able to like send them direct answers. And it almost like my first couple of readings, it was as if like the animal spirit sat down right in front of me and they like put their hands in mine or their paws in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just able to like answer the questions, like the more direct you are. Um, but then it's, it's like, Anyways, I've just found myself, um, I think that I, I had a reading with um, someone who had told me that there was like no way I could have been an animal in a past life. And that it kind of like confused me a little bit because I was like, well, I, that deeply resonates so much. And then so many of the other things that they said resonated with me. But then that one, I was like, I don't know. They were like, in my career, I've never seen like an animal soul to human like crossover. And then like after that reading, I kind of like, almost had like an identity crisis. I was just like, yeah, I was like, who am I? And then like, not long after that one, somebody told me I was a medium. Karen Rontowski told me I was a medium. And then, so I'm just like, what? And so I kind of just like shut everything down for a while. And I had to, and then it was that when I realized I was like, nobody outside of me can tell me who I am and That's what exactly I am. exactly right. I already interrupted you. I'm sorry. Cause I got so excited. It is yeah. exactly right. I mean, for you and anybody else listening, it doesn't matter if you come to me, Ashley, any other reader, if whatever we say out of our mouths does not resonate with you, then it's not the truth for you. And no one can tell you who you are and what your abilities are and where you're from. No one can tell you that. Like I can have, I can give you projections and guesses based on what your energy presents to me. That's what I'm doing. Like I'm, I actually don't have any proof like yeah i was told you're from the the animal realm and i believe that based on how your energy presents but that's all that's happening you know i don't i i never want people to think that i'm talking to them in absolutes because you're you and i'm me and all i'm doing is channeling the channel and i think that person that talked to you that told you you couldn't be from the animal realm just has an avatar that has a view about that like they they said Mm -hmm. i've never seen an animal crossover, whatever the fuck they said, that's their point of view. That's their personal point of view. And that's what mm-hmm. bothers me because I think as a reader, you have an obligation not to muddy the reading with your own personal points of view. And of course I talk about shit all the time. Like I, I tend to take it very seriously. I will tell people that I'm on the phone with like, Hey, this is just my personal point of view, but it's this. Yeah, and you don't have to subscribe to it. You know, I will, uh, my readings, I think, are a mix of the psychic channel and my personal points of view, but I always caveat them by saying, this is what I think. 
Yeah. And I think that it, it, it came up from a lot of like my programming of not trusting myself and doubting myself. And then always just always looking outside of myself for answers. So then once I became a part of the soberish community and then I met like all of these like intuitives and amazing, like psychic readers, whatever, I was like, holy shit, they obviously know more than me. They're going to give me such insight on myself because that was the programming I had been living in in so long is look outside of myself for answers, Mm. like constantly looking outside of myself for answers. So then it was like that reading shattered a lot of things for me, but then it like brought a lot of things into perspective. And I was like, oh, I am like having some sort of identity crisis because I'm taking like all of these readings that I've had and trying to make them all fit because I believe that somebody outside of me knows better. So I, I, I had to come to that on my own because I've had readers like preface things with like, oh, this is just like my uh, pers- perspective of your energy. This is just how your energy is presenting itself to me. This is just like one perspective. Um, and it's like, I heard all of that, but a part of me was like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. You're magic. Just tell me, tell me that I'm magic too. Or like, <laughs> Captain, you know? Yeah. So then I, I had to have that moment where I was like, who the fuck am I now that so many different people are telling me something different? And then I was like, oh, wait, only I know. And then it was just that like, and then also with this, this programming of me comparing myself to everybody, I'm starting to really like, I used to kind of be like, oh, whatever, I have my own unique path and I have my own energy. And it's just like getting upset with myself because I was like, I'm not magic like them. But then now it's like that same idea of like, I have my own unique path, my own energy blueprint. And that's really fucking cool. And if I'm not going to spend time getting to know that, who is? Like, I'm the only one that is here to understand me and to, to, to know that path and to walk that path. And, and it doesn't even matter. It's not one path. And that's the thing with me too, is like, I, I will walk all the different paths. And that's like, kind of frustrating for me, because I just want to be able to do one thing and see it through. But that's also my programming, because that's not how my energy works. My energy is not meant to like see something from start to finish. I'm just supposed to like, start something head on, inspire other people and then walk away and then start something else and just like, boom, 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 boom. Like, that's my energy. Um, But that programming of like, maybe it's capitalism, maybe it's from my family. I mean, my mom used to tell me that like, I don't I'm not a finisher, like I don't finish anything. And I used to see that as like, that's a negative thing about my personality that I have to fix. And then once I got like a human design reading, or I got um, a uh, like an astrology reading, when I saw my natal chart, I was like, Oh, that's just not my energy. That's just not like, I'm not supposed to like finish and see things well, through. And that's not that an, activator. an activator. Yeah. So this is what I'm working on. I kind of like don't, I, uh, spirit saying I can't talk about anything that's going to be in my book. I'm sorry to be so shady like that, but, but what you, how you're speaking is like how an activator would speak. It's your part of your directive is to come and activate things like turn them on, like, whoop, here you go. And then move on down the road and do it some more. Yeah. And it is like a part of me, like if you put a puzzle in front of me, most and not like I actually hate actual puzzles. I don't see the point. They drive me fucking crazy. Throw them all away. Pointless. But um, mm-hmm. I like the analogy of just like I've I've had a lot of jobs that are manual labor, and it's like we have to move this thing over to this area. How's the what's the best way we can do it? And there's like a team of people, and then in my mind I'm like do 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 do, and I know like everyone's strength, everyone's area of like improvement, how we all work best together, and it's like this whole thing just comes over, and I'm like, okay, this is how we solve the problem. And um, yeah, it's very similar to me actually. Just pointing that out to you, that is how I view energy and an energy grid and the patterns. And I don't think I've actually like 
um, I've always done that where it's like, this is a problem. We're on a team. How do we solve it? I've always stepped up as a leader, but I've almost like seen it as like a negative, like, Ashley, you don't always know what's best or Ashley, like, why don't you step back? And like, you do. Yeah. And you it's, do. Like, it's part of you me. do. I just want to, I just want to reiterate that. I mean, not just because you see things very similar to the way I do, but it's not an ego thing, Ashley. It's your skill is to see what the pattern is in front of you, like a grid. Mm-hmm. And so how everything's connected and how, you know, what, what Jim Bob's strengths are, what Sarah Ann's strengths are and what Lauren Bob's strengths, you know, I don't know. I'm just making shit up, but you will be able to see, Oh, Jim Bob is good at this. He's weak at that. Laura Ann is good at this. Weaknesses are this, like, that's just how your program is run in your brain. That's how you view the patterns is how, like, that's why you give Laura Ann this task and Bob and that one, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just how you are. That's uh, because you are a good leader. And so am I like, obviously I'm building you up a little bit, but it's, I don't think, I mean, there's more people that can see energy grids the way that we do. I'm just saying there's different ways to see them. And I'm also just like, you know, you're like me. That's great. I like people like me because they understand where I'm coming from is not like bossy, even though it might come out like that. It's more like, no, I just understand what you're good at because I've viewed you. Right. Yeah. And I, when I got that human design reading, I got it from, um, my friend Michelle and she was like, well, yeah, Michelle Johnson, yeah, she is she's great. great. Yeah. Shout out to Michelle. Um, and she was like, you're, uh, something that you can say to like, make it maybe easier to digest for people is like, um, here's my idea, take it or leave it. Because I think that like, I also have a programming that fears rejection, but I'm so naturally a leader that like, I'll just like step into it. And then when people like, um, also as a manifester, apparently we have the, uh, we'll like shrink other people's auras like unintentionally. And it's just like, I never asked for this. I want to like, you know, build everybody up, but it's just like, maybe like how my energy works. I'm just trying to like, no, I'm also a manifester. It's interesting. We have a, it sounds like we have a very similar human design. So the point is, is that I did learn that as well. Like the whole thing, when I walk into a room, I'm like, I'm yeah. here and I can't overshadow people mm-hmm. very easily. So myself, I have to be like, and what do you think? Right. What's your point? Because like, I'll say, this is my point of view. This is what mm-hmm. I think we should do. But uh, Ashley, what do you think? You know what I mean? I'll just, I'll get input from everybody around so they don't feel like I'm uh, steamrolling over them, which I absolutely yeah. can do. Yeah. <laughs> like, no problem. Yeah. I'll steam over, overall over anybody. Um, because it, honestly, that's the way that I am. If you don't have input, then I'm just going to do with what I have based on the patterns that are in yeah. front of me. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to also like, because it's like, yeah, my, I've always known that I've taken up a lot of space that I have a really big personality, you know, like whatever you want to say. So it's like, I, mm-hmm. I almost tend to like with my coworkers, they're a great example. I'll just be right off the bat. I'll be like, Hey, I tend to take up a lot of space when I walk into a room. It's not intentional. My personality is really big. Like I am naturally a performer. Like I'm like singer, dancer, musician. Like some people have like, um, I, I know that I'm funny. So it's like, I'm tr- like, but I'm actively trying to make everybody laugh because like, I'm, I love to perform. And I know that that's part of like, I'm like, Oh, ooh, ooh, don't you want to laugh? Don't you want to just like do this funny thing? And, and so, and I do tend to like, like you said, steamroll, but I love that. Like, Oh, this is what I think. What do you think? What do you think? Because then it's like, I, I, my, my energy is taking up a lot of space, but then I can rein it in. And then I just want to like, in my heart, I want to create space for everybody. I want like a room. So here's, but this is so great because this is exactly almost to a T, if not to a T, how I am and how I manage that is like, I go in and be like, this is exactly what I would do X, Y, and Z. Uh, But you also don't have to do it like that. What is your point of view on this? 
And that's how I kind of like bring in my energy and I'm like, chop, chop, this is what I'm doing. But then I've learned to be like, shrink it back just a little bit, step back just a little bit, let the room breathe and let other people talk. Or And also I just naturally am the leader and I tend to be in a, like a, you know, head of the table talking role a lot. So the people listen to me, they look at me and then I'm like, Ashley, you, what do you think? You know, and then they just feel like I'm listening, you know? So it's like, cause wherever I've gone, even when I'm 19 years old and still living in the homeless shelter and working at a pet store, people are, customers are coming up to me and saying, oh, you're the manager. I'm like, nope, not even close. But I've always had people apply prestige to me. So I just kind of accepted that. Yeah, I've also been like I was on, like it's happened to you too. I was on like a team of people and they were always like people would come to me and be like, You're the team leader, right? And I was like, No, I'm not. And then a part of me was like ashamed. I was like, Am I taking up? Am I stepping up too much here? But Yeah, no. But you should I I I think you should embrace that because it is what it is. I've just learned to share what it is. Because honestly, I whether this comes from my ego or not, I'm usually right. I just am because I can see mm-hmm. the pattern. But I also understand that there's different ways of doing things, but mine's better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I love that. Um, I, don't, I, don't get, I don't get you there the quickest and the fastest yep. with the least amount of errors, okay? So you should just listen to me. Yeah. I but learned, I will listen to your point of view. I have uh, like, <laughs> like, just step back and just let them, like, you know that, like, the, the, like, from point A to point B is a straight line, but they want to take a circle route to get there. Hold space for that. Exactly. Just that your idea was let way do better. it, and then let them come back to you and be like, "Oh, Ashley, you were right this whole time." Oh, yeah, I know. Uh-huh. Next like, time, it'll you'll save a lot of time. If you just listen to me first. Yeah. I say that shit all the time. They're like, "All right, Mila, you you you're uh, you're right about that." I'm like, "Yeah, I was right about that three months ago." But okay, idiots, <laughs> <laughs> dumbass. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, it was great. Being on your podcast, I'm hijacking this podcast and putting it on mine. So I don't know when yours is coming out. I'm I I can take this and put it on my podcast right now. So I don't want to overshadow you. Am I allowed? Dun dun dun! Is Mela allowed to use this podcast as their own podcast episode? The answer is no. We were recording on Mela's account. So they were in charge of starting recording and stopping recording. So um, we ended the recording kind of abruptly. So I called Mela in the ether and I asked them, Mela, if people want to find you, where would they find you? This is a recording of that conversation in the ether. Hello, this is Mela. Hey, Mayla, this is Ashley. Uh, I was just wondering if you could come back on the podcast really quick just to let people know where they could find you. Oh, sure. You can find me at MaylaShay1 on Instagram. You can go to my website, StandUpPsychic.com. And I also have a podcast called The Vagrant Gimp Podcast. And if you want to know a little bit more about me, I happen to write a book. It's a memoir called The Vagrant Gimp, and you can find that on Amazon.com. Have you heard of it? Jeff Bezos? Have you heard of him? Yeah, that's where you can find my book. Cool, Mela. Thanks again for coming on my podcast. No problem, Ashley. Love you. Mwah. Love you too, Mela. Bye. Bye.